Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse, and I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep. The hunter dreams in his club. Uh, a poem by Lord Dunsany. This is a new poem by Lord Dunsany. This was first published in a magazine called Britannia and Eve, August 1929. It's accompanied by a beautiful full-page illustration um, that shows many of the animals that the hunter wants to kill and mount on his his, uh, wall, I guess. Um, We've done several uh, Lord Dunsany stories in the past. Um... The New Master, The Coronation of Mr. Thomas Shap, The Ghosts, The Horde of the Gibbelins, The Hashish Man, The Highwayman. Uh, he's a master of both poetry and prose. His prose tends to be very poetic, even in novel length, which he has produced a, or had produced a lot of. He was an Irish lord, and uh, he has a castle that you can still go visit in Ireland. Uh, he doesn't have it anymore, but there is a new Lord Dunsany. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he had a military career, and he was into politics. He was a chess master. This guy was no slouch, even though he was born into a luxurious uh, lord lordship. He's, he had a very interesting and varied life. So, um, one of the things we've not covered, I don't think, in our various discussions of his poems and stories before is uh, his interest in hunting, which I think is pretty obvious here. The Jorkin stories, have you read those? You mean Jurgen by James uh, Branch Cabell? Uh, no, no. There's, um, there's a bunch of stories by... Uh, Lord Dunsany called the Jorkins stories. They're club stories. I guess I haven't. Yeah, he, ah, he's written no, I have not. so many. He's written. He, there's a, a great uh, book that was turned into a movie uh, called Dean Spanley, which is about a a guy who's reincarnated. Uh, it's a he's like a church sexton, I think, who um, gets reincarnated uh, from his previous life being a dog. And uh, during hypnosis, he can recall his fun adventures at his master's feet while hunting. Um, <laughs> it's it's a delightful, humorous story. Um, so it's it's very hard to um, encompass all of Lord Dunsany. He died at age seventy nine. Had a very long career writing, pretty much the whole of that time. Um, maybe not while he was a baby, but. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty shortly thereafter, he starts writing stuff. And so this is mid-career, 1829. But um, at this point, he is pretty you famous. You mean 1929. Uh, sorry, sorry, yes, <laughs> 1929. He's pretty famous. Um, the Book of Wonder uh, and the second Book of Wonder had all come out. These are were published in the sketch. And basically, if you're a high-class person in the UK, you knew who Lord Dunsany was, not just because he had Lord as his title, but because he was a subs- substantial writer and people appreciated his work. So th- that all being said, coming from this upper-class position, you know, 
it's uh, you would imagine it would be hard to empathize with uh, a person of this kind but he was always doing that he was always empathizing with uh, the lower classes and um so here we've got him um in a upper class position but this is for a middle class audience I, I would add one thing. This is 1929. Um, he is, to this day, perhaps best known as um, the author of The King of Elfland's Daughter, mm-hmm. which is 1924. And that is a uh, a locus classicus for the evolution of fantasy. There are critics who say that modern fantasy of a certain form is really invented by Dunsany. Um, and it's that, a pretty strong that argument. Book, uh, Right. Um, there, there's a lot to be said for it. There are others like William Morris, uh, mm-hmm. generation uh, two generations earlier, um, with the world of the the well at the end of the world, for example, which presage this. But but he's known for the reason. The reason I point this out is fantasy depends upon imagination, mm-hmm. and this isn't this poem isn't called. The hunter is speculating in his club, right. or the the hunter is recalling in his club. It's the hunter dreams in his club, um, and, and I must say uh, uh, there are things about it. I well, maybe we should just read it. Yeah, would okay. you read it for us uh, first, and then I, we'll, I'd love to. We'll talk about it some more, and maybe read it again. The hunter dreams in his club. A dim gray dawn with a streak of amber is breaking now, though I know not where. Blue pigeons soar and the monkeys clamber up from dark to the lucid air. Hushed as though it had seen a gorgon, a bush buck stands at the forest's edge. A strange bird calls like an opening organ. Tiny myriads talk in the sedge. Gone by now is the firefly's wonder. Lost to the sight with the Milky Way. Suddenly near the zebra's thunder rolls for joy at another day. Flowers bright as a painter's palettes give their honey to brighter birds. While upon Feet like monstrous mallets, the bull rhinoceros goes to his herds. A little wind like Aurora's shiver blows, and the light is brighter far. Dawn grows wide on an unmapped river. Out goes the light of a large low star. The sun leaps up, and at once the grasses flash as bright as the eye can bear. Far off, clear quartz in the mountain passes beckons us. But I know not where. One of the uh, uh, words that I noticed myself using in my own writing since I read this poem a couple weeks ago um, is unmapped. What a great word. <laughs> um, the other thing I noticed right away upon first reading it is this is uh, something, you know, if you think about what hunting is, um, it's kind of like, it's, again, a thing most people don't do today, right? 
most people don't hunt. But something that's kind of similar uh, that a lot of people, especially of this class, do still is golf. Um, <laughs> and golfing is a kind of quasi, it's like, it's kind of like pool or billiards, but you do it outside, right? You do it over a stretch and a walk, or you could take a cart, I guess. But the important part is there's grass and there's trees and there's sand traps and there's rolling hills and it's kind of a fake nature. But one of the differences when you're doing this competitive sport of uh, golf versus hunting is that you're not killing things generally when you're playing golf. I mean, if you, if you strike uh, the ball the wrong way and there's somebody out there, that can be a problem, but that generally doesn't happen. You know, you don't generally hit birds and you don't generally hit uh, animals and they're pretty careful about making sure people aren't walking in the wrong spots during uh, a golf game. But it is a kind of outdoor activity that you do and it's it's not wholly male you know there's women's playing golf as well but it is more male i would say and the same is true with hunting it's more male um and one of the things you notice in here is this uh the male animals most of the time it doesn't say what the gender is but we get two a bush buck and then later on we get the bull rhinoceros and if you are seriously thinking about hunting, you have to do a little bit of thinking about what kind of animal you're going to kill. Because if you just go out and shoot everything under the sun, uh, there won't be the, all those animals next year. So hunters tend to focus on male animals like uh, buck, deer, as opposed to does. Does don't need the bucks uh, to be plentiful. They just need one handy. Um, same with this bull elephant, rhinoceros. It goes to its herds. There doesn't need to be 60 male rhinoceroses for every 60 female rhinoceros. And yet, you know, we know rhinoceroses are going extinct. So maybe this, um, the title, which, you know, it doesn't reference, the, the poem itself does not reference the club at all so what's the point of the having that in the title yeah the hunter dreams in his club we get the i right i know not where and then we get i know not where at the end as well but why does it have to be in his club well the thing about hunting in your club in your hunting club is you're not actually out there you know depleting the outside population Recounting your stories of the hunt means you're not out there killing more. Maybe it'll encourage it. But these are some sort of the framing things that I noticed that are involved in the poem that are not the poem itself. It seems to me that not only um, aren't we in the bush... But we also aren't seeing any hunting. No. We aren't seeing any hunting by the hunter. We aren't seeing any hunting by animals that hunt. Mm -hmm. This is an almost Edenic imagining on the part of the person who calls himself a hunter or who's identified as a hunter. But in fact, 
he is a denizen of a club. As I can picture 1929, an Englishman in his club, you know, in, in somewhere in London with dark wooden paneling, mm-hmm. um, he's sitting there and he is dreaming. He is imagining. And what he imagines is a poem that takes us from the first glimmer of gray to blazing light. Mm-hmm. It's beautifully constructed as the light gets lighter. Bigger. And this is a light that affects not simply the local uh, jungle felt. I, we, we don't know what it is, uh, but the whole universe, because, in fact, the Milky Way begins to recede. And then finally, it's so full day that the lo- one large low star, which is probably Venus, um, is no longer visible. This is a sto- this is a poem that goes from darkness to light. This is a man who is nominally a hunter, but in fact is the inhabitant of a club. Mm-hmm. And when he thinks, he doesn't think about hunting. He doesn't even think about animals hunting each other. This is a vision of Eden. It is a vision that contrasts, I think, as you say, it's not in the poem. But the idea of club and the idea of hunter, it's a vision that contrasts the self-satisfaction of the moneyed Victorian with nature itself. And it asks us to understand what is better, exploiting this nature and extracting slaves, money, well, not slaves by 1929, labor, money, raw materials, Right. Cheap, cheap uh, uh, industry. Mm -hmm. Is it better to do that or to at least dream of the possibility of the zebras running, not because they're fleeing from a lion, but because they are joyful Mm -hmm. at the at the at the dawn that the, the rhinoceros is not charging to protect or to escape, but in fact is going to his herds. As you say, one one bull rhinoceros, many females. This is a fecund, gorgeous, natural imagination getting ever lighter. So the last image that's added to this is the whiteness in the distant, the clear quartz in the mm-hmm. mountain passes. And as I think of, for example, uh, in Southern California, uh, it's easy to stand on uh, on 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 at, at more or less sea level to, and and look up at the the mountains and in the declivities of the mountains even in the summer you see this white this white blaze and now if you would do the same thing in Washington State that would be a glacier mm-hmm. it's just snowpack in Southern California. But for but for the whole of the Rockies, you go sit, stand down on one side and you see something up. You could do the same thing with the Alps. In other words, pure whiteness, pure cold, cold, something that is, in fact, pristine. The clear quartz is in the mountain passes as if one could pass even further to an even more extraordinary place. The hunter dreams in his club, I think. And he says, but I know not where. 
The hunter dreams in his club because Lord Dunsany wants us to understand that this fellow is not bloodthirsty. He is not, in my view at least, Jesse, contemplating what trophies can I mm-hmm. can I bag and mount on my wall. He is so taken by the possibility of imagining a more glorious nature than he could ever have visited that he can't even understand where it would be. I'm thinking of it, but I know not where. Mm -hmm. And when he goes through and builds it, he sees it's beckoning him to go even further, but I know not where. That line is repeated. And it seems to me that what the Lord Dunsany is asking us to do is figure out where it is that this club man in in wealthy England, this is before the crash, right? In August of 1929, this wealthy landed man, where is it that he has can't understand? What is it he has lost an, uh, an idea about? And I think the thing he's lost an idea about is that clarity. It is that innocence. It is that Eden. I would point out to you, I mean, you actually can probably, you will tell me, um, that there was the Britannia magazine and then there was the Eve and the two combined and became Britannia and Eve, the name of the magazine in which he published this, which billed itself as a ladies' pictorial. Mm-hmm. Beautiful magazine. I can't magazine. help but think. And, and this illustration that you've made available to us, it demonstrates that fully. I can't help but think that, as you said, there can be women hunters, there can be man hunters. This was meant for a ladies' pictorial because a woman is not expected in 1929 to go gallivanting around the world and bringing back trophies. Mm -hmm. A man is supposed to, but mostly he gets to stay in his club. But this hunter, he knows something better, purer, before the fall. The kind of thing that uh, maybe a high-born... English woman would like to be able to contemplate. Mm. This is really a poem to think about how the world could be better than having sport hunting. It could have joy and I, I won't say love, but that bull rhinoceros is off to his herds sounds not only amorous, but protective and solid mm-hmm. and reliable. Mm-hmm. What a nice world. It is. Um, I actually, I think uh, how this is like sort of a mirror of another poem we have done called Jungle Twilight, uh, Clark Ashton mm. Smith's poem, which is uh, coming out of out of the day and going into the night and how the jungle changes. There it's it's less about the animals, but it's just as much about the light or the absence thereof. Here, uh, the light imagery is everywhere color too but light listen a dim gray dawn with a streak of amber is breaking now through i know not where blue pigeons soar and the monkeys clamber up from the dark to the lucid air so that uh, looking up we have that same thing happening in jungle twilight as the earth turns away from the sun the shadow changes position right the mountains uh, get it first and make long shadows. 
and they get ever longer, and then suddenly everything's shadowed. Here, it's the opposite. The birds get the light first. The monkeys, they get the light first. And we are able to look up into that lucid air. And what do we see? Hushed as though it had seen a gorgon. Well, that's not a uh, real animal that you go hunting, unless you're Theseus, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, However, um, that'll turn you to stone. And then we go, a bush buck stands at the forest's edge. A a strange bird calls like an opening organ. Tiny myriads talk in the sedge. So this stanza is all about sound. The effect of the Mm. light on the sound of the animals. Gone by now, or the lack thereof. Gone by now is the firefly's wonder. So this is what's absent, right? Because the sun has gone down. or The the sun has come up and the night has gone down. Uh, lost to sight is with the Milky Way, suddenly near the zebra's thunder, rolls for joy at another day. Yeah, the zebras, they're on the move again. Sun's up, time to wake up, get that grass, or whatever it is zebras are after. <laughs> Flowers, bright as a painter's palettes. Wow. Right? It's, it's, he's painting an image, and he's comparing it to a painter's palette, which is full of color. Give their honey to the brighter birds. While upon feet like monstrous mallets, the bull rhinoceros goes to its herds. And, you know, I hadn't thought about that before, but bird color is often associated with what the bird does, right? If it's, if it's an uh, owl, it tries to blend in with the tree. If it's a bright-colored bird, it, it's doing something else. It's not hunting. Exactly. Or if it is, it's hunting by day. And it's hunting for, like, flowers. The brighter birds would be hummingbirds, I guess. Um, We keep going. A little wind, like Aurora's shiver, blows and the light is brighter far. Dawn grows wide on an unmapped river. Out goes the light in a large, low star. So you pointed out it's probably uh, Venus there. Um, right, it's the evening star and it's the morning star. It's seen in both poems, I think, or maybe maybe it's not in Jungle Twilight. But I do remember in Jungle Twilight there's a river as well, and that idea of an unmapped river. At this point, the world has been fully explored. In 1929, there are no unmapped rivers, but not in imagination. There's always unmapped rivers, and if you're dreaming this wonderful landscape, that is both uh, rhinoceroses and zebras and perhaps gorgons. (laughs) You can put anything in this unmapped place. Out goes the light of a large low star. The sun leaps up, and at once the grasses flash as bright as the eye can bear. Far off, clear quartz in the mountain passes beckons on, but I know not where. So beckoning is like calling, right? but physically calling, and you can't see that beckoning in the darkness. He's um, he's making hunting a romantic adventure in the same way that, you know, the reason you... I'm sorry, Jesse. I, I really don't think that he's hunting. I really don't. Well, I, yeah, Evan, let me finish that I think thought. he's in... Okay. Uh, he's making it a hunting adventure in the sense that it's the experience of going out to these places. So the trophy 
of hunting is the returning and showing it off. And that's the gaudy part of hunting, right? You say, I killed it. It was this big. Look at its horns. It's stuffed over there on that wall. The real purpose of hunting is to get meat, to get in your body. But if you're out there trophy hunting, you're doing it not for meat. But it's like in this poem, the trophy is the experience of hunting in the forest and seeing these things. This is why I was I was playing a game with my friend the other day, and it's a, a gun hunting game where you go around shooting other people. And he just noticed how beautiful, you know, the the place was where we were. And I said, it's just like in real life, Paul. You prefer the camera. You would shoot a lot more <laughs> had you a camera instead of a gun. Hunting doesn't have to be about killing. It's just normally the way we think of it is. It can also be hunting for experiences or hunting for images. Hunting for that amazing shot of the sun breaking over the horizon. Or waiting until the evening and having it sink down just past the sea. Here, it's it's about that experience, the sound, as much as, you know, there's no gunshots in this poem at all. There's no cracks. There's no stalking. It's all about the experiencing of the landscape with the animals in place. And if you go around killing everything, you don't get that because it's silent all the time. I hear you. Um, I, I, I simply read the hunter dreams in his club as a way of letting us recognize the enormous contrast between what it would mean to be a hunter and out there trying to kill and someone who is a member of a group that's supposedly known for being hunters mm-hmm. and explorers and exploiters and travelers, but really is not that kind of person at all. Um, that rather than this being about finding a trophy to hang on his wall, it's about having a painting to hang on his wall. That's why we have flowers bright as a painter's palette. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something else that this man is after. He has to call himself a hunter. You know, there there really is something called the Explorers Club. Yep. And you don't actually have to be an explorer to be a member. <laughs> no. Um, right. And in fact, Lord Dunsany was, I may be mistaken, um, he was not known for his hunting, but he was, in fact, the riflery champion mm-hmm. of Ireland, as he also at one point was the chess champion of Ireland. It was the shooting, not the killing, that interested the man biographically. I, I see this as a poem that when we think about it, I mean, the word hunter makes us think, ah, yes, but if, if I ask myself, where do you find zebras? You know, where, where do you find monkeys? Um, wherever you find zebras and wherever you find monkeys, unless it's a zoo, um, you find predators that would make them run for fear. That's not here. Mm-hmm. When the hunter is in his club, this hunter is, I think, contemplating something else. Um, which leads me to a question. Um, as you will notice, uh, the picture, which is wonderful, mm-hmm. and it has the rhinoceros and the birds and the zebras and the monkeys, 
It also has something that looks an awful lot like a lioness approaching on the lower right mm-hmm. um, a pool around which all of the other animals are above which all of the other animals and birds are clustered. Um, I wonder if the uh, if the illustrator has made a mistake here. Um, a lot that's in the poem is here. One can even think that the the bright light on the upper left of the of the uh, illustration is supposed to beckon us. I know not where, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't see anywhere that uh, hunting cat. And yet, as you read the poem, it occupies the lower right. That's where you would end up. Mm-hmm. If you're reading top to bottom and right to left, uh, left to right, as one does in English, do you think that that the illustrator knew something we didn't know and got it right, or do you think that that's a mistake? I think um, it's possible to read that as a callback to the title, "The Hunter," because all the rest of the animals, you know, they feed on grass or flowers; they're eating bugs or uh, you know, some of them might eat other birds. Um, but I, I think you're right. It, it is a more Eden, Edenic image. Um, but the dreaming, so I, I keep comparing it to golf because I'm not a golfer, but I do love to go for a, a walk through such terrain. I always think it's sort of a waste to just golf <laughs> there because you're focused on the wrong things. There's a, a famous line, um, it's... Uh, misattributed to Mark Twain. I don't know who really said it, but uh, golf is a good walk ruined. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the, you're there enjoying, you know, rolling hills and uh, little gullies and hollows and forest groves. It's all simulated, mm-hmm. right? But right. you're focused on scores and writing down your points and you should be out there enjoying the air. You should be out there enjoying the birds flying by. You should be out there enjoying the right things. So thinking of like why people want to go hunting, it's not just to get the meat. And it's not just to, you know, get a trophy and put it on the wall. There's also the experience of joy in being in nature, real nature, as opposed to the golf style nature where it's, you know, somebody's trimming that grass in the morning. And the sand traps are cultivated and shaped. Um, So this dreamland that he's created is free of hunters. But it beckons us on. And it makes you maybe want to leave the club and go find these places. And, And that aspect of hunting, the romantic aspect of just being out there and experiencing the wild, is very attractive even if you're not a hunter but it's a it's a, it's often an excuse right the explorers club as you say not everybody in the explorers club is an explorer there's a you know psychic clubs too and ghost hunting clubs <laughs> those things don't exist right but the idea of spending no. time <laughs> the idea of spending time um focused on that it, it's it's the communal experience of like, oh, have you been to this valley? Sure, there's many bears there, but oh, the fishing's great, you know? It isn't always about the one thing, about the scorecard and getting your putt right. 
uh, getting your getting your shot. You know, yeah, he's a champion uh, chess player and a champion crack shot, um, but he's also an appreciator of of the actual natural uh, wildness that's out there. There is that focus though on the male animals, and and that brings it right back to the idea of yeah, he is a hunter, even if it's not the trophies that he's going after. Dunsany is a writer, and writers crave a sense that someone else hears them, Mm -hmm. reads them, thinks about them. One of the reasons that I so enjoy our discussions, Jesse, is that when I read alone to myself, I can enjoy what I can get from whatever the author has created and my ability to to contemplate it but when you and i speak to each other my words are drawn from me because i care about what you'll think Mm. and i believe that in fact you want to have me hear what you have to say in other words We have a club, Mm -hmm. and we are connected in order to build a larger world in which people think and care about what they can imagine. Mm -hmm. To the extent that this poem is a a seed sand for a pearl of that idea, growing ever more lustrous and ever larger— Dunsany is giving us something that explains why it's so valuable that there is always more to say. Thanks very much for listening. And remember, you can always freely access the materials discussed on these podcasts by going to sffaudio.com and clicking on the link for Reading Short and Deep. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sff audio.